Welcome to Small Business Big Impact. These are lessons from the trenches of running a business with a multiple bottom line. Purpose, people, planet, and profit. Get the inside scoop on what it takes to succeed at using business as a force for good. Today, we get to hear from Kelly Turbasket. She leads Indigenize. Indigenize has hosted over 30 successful youth camps since 2014, impacting Indigenous youth from all over the Lower Mainland and the interior of BC. In an effort to strengthen the circle around youth, they have gradually expanded their programs to include workshops for building community capacity. Indigenize has grown into a movement that has touched thousands of people across BC. They offer a range of programs developed and delivered through an Indigenous lens to instill confidence, communication skills, and effective group dynamics. They focus on empathy, teamwork, and creativity, tools that are helping the Indigenous peoples embrace their ancestral gifts, exercise their voices, and come together for positive change. So welcome, Kelly. I am really excited to be chatting with you this morning. It's nice and early. It's nice and quiet here. I'm interested in talking to you about the story that you mentioned earlier about rooting to thrive, or actually not rooting to grow, steps you've taken on your journey with Indigenize. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jalen, for having me. I'm, I, I like that rooting to thrive as well. Um, we, you know, as I was mentioning, we hit a place in our journey after um, about 10 years, it's been almost 10 years that mm. we've been running and um, just hit a place where I realized that for our program to be sustainable long term, that I needed to change what I was doing drastically. That mm. what I was doing was not sustainable. So um, it was a very clear line where we decided to shift our whole strategic directions. And what that meant for us was that we stopped going in a million directions, basically. Um, you know, a lot of our beginnings were calls to action. So we um, would be asked from communities to come and deliver a program. We tailor it every time, just about, I mean, they were wow, custom every time, every time we were custom designing, tweaking, you know, like they were similar, but they needed to be custom designed and um, lots of travel. You know, we have a small network of facilitators trying to juggle that. I, I often joked and said I was like Jerry Maguire. I was basically being a Jerry Maguire for a bunch of facilitators who had their own career going. We were spreading okay. the word for Indigenize. We were showing what these methodologies could do in a diverse variety of contexts. But we weren't growing one, like we weren't growing our signature workshops. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the drastic like line in the sand, I say, and churning this around has been to um, stop doing that. And we've started uh, building our signature workshops in the last few years and um, offering them online has changed everything for us. Um, we can reach more people and therefore fill the seats. It's hard to fill the seats in one geographical area for some of our programs. Was there an event that helped you draw the line in the sand? Yeah, great question. Thank you. I, 
I would say it was more of a personal event mm. um, as the leader, as the you know director of Indigenize, um, and my age. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, you know, I want to leave. I, I really, I believe so strongly that what we have to offer is medicine for relationships. And mm. um, you know, when I first discovered creative community building methodologies from Pi Global. I, I knew in that first workshop that I, I told Charlie Murphy, the co-founder, I said, you had me by the first coffee break because <laughs> I knew, <laughs> I knew that this space that you can create with these methodologies is what is needed to rebuild our communities, our relationships. The impact right. of colonization has you know, done a lot of damage on our relationships with each other. And it makes it really hard to uh, move forward to our goals when we're not in unity, like we have known how to be since time immemorial. Those things, those patterns, those relational patterns and ways of being and knowing have been deeply disrupted. And so these methodologies, I could see, they can rebuild our relationships. And so I, I like have this deep desire to, to, to scale, to, to share. I see myself as someone who is a witness to um, over, I've visited over 100 communities, Indigenous communities in BC. I saw co common challenges, which were relational, you know, divides, mm. staffing challenges. And, you know, without being able to have those courageous conversations and, and um, uphold our values of kindness and care and reciprocity and all those important um, values that that build sustainable relationships with without that you know you have high staff turnover you have you know you, you have people moving in different directions and you can't you can't move towards your goals so so it just it felt like i have this like this gold this or this medicine and um how do i bring it to those communities that i have witnessed and so i was feeling like frustrated i guess i hit this point of you know it, it's it's something to to know you have something to offer but you can't get it to the people that need it so i was like you know how i i only want to work for another 10 or 15 years you know like i'm uh, how am I going to make sure that this program isn't just going to fizzle out? And it's not just me that has seen the value of this program. It's also many people have come and experienced our training, our leadership trainings and camps. And they're like, yes, they see that. But how do we translate that so that people are using that in their own communities and own um, capacities? So. So you had this, you, you know, you had this clarity around the vision and you've been putting on uh, tons of effort into trying to bring it to the people. And then you reached a point where you realize like, hold on, the way I'm doing this just isn't going to deliver. It's just not going to, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. but I call them one-offs. So like one-offs, meaning, you know, if it's a one day workshop or even a, even like a, a five-day workshop that might inspire people it you know creates some transformation but that doesn't create deep systemic change it doesn't create relational shifts um, you need enough people that are willing to to make the changes to use the methodologies 
then that takes a longer term path pathway. So, so rooting to grow includes uh, pathways for transformation. We call it the spiral of transformation that's based on our chaptik in our silk culture. Um, our teachings talk about the spiral versus a linear pathway. But so in that pathway, we want to create ongoing options for communities to stay in the learning journey and stay connected with each other. And um, we're going to include research. I've started uh, building relationships with university on uh, creating a research component to what we do. So at the core, the essence of Rooting to Grow has to do with, you know, creating a community of practice and also um, making sure we have, you know, measurable outcomes and stuff. And so the, this, this pivot, so basically, you know, this issue around recognizing your vision and then realizing it couldn't, it couldn't happen. So what was the process that you went through to, that took you in the direction that you feel like will deliver the potential? Well, the, I think one of the biggest things is I realized, like, I need sustainable funding, <laughs> right? Right. So um, since we started, I've been um, mostly, you know, surviving on philanthropy, on foundational funding, and it's sporadic. So, um, you know, like a lot of times, foundations will fund you one year. And I was fortunate near the beginning to get a three-year funding, but then... They couldn't continue that. So, you know, and then proposal driven, that can throw you off course, right? Chasing the money through proposals. Mm -hmm. And as any other nonprofit knows, you end up spending so much time writing proposals. And I think you might get about 40% success. I don't know okay. the exact percentage, but you definitely don't get all the proposals, all that time you put into writing proposals. And then you have to also meet their mandates, which might not be in total alignment with your vision and your mission you know so right um so so where things changed for me drastically was when i discovered social enterprise you know when i first went to svi years ago and and you know discovered this world of you know social change makers and enterprise i I didn't even know that this sector existed because I had been working solely on reserve in indigenous communities and, you know, in my bubble. And I was so inspired that there's people out there who are wanting to have an impact on social change and make a living out of that, that you can mm -hmm. go outside the box, that you can create you can create your own pathways outside of government funding out, outside of like the very limited programs and and services available so that was where i was first excited and and received a lot of um, amazing coaching and advice at that event it was really like impactful for me um and that was in my beginning years i remember that helped a lot um for diversifying like, okay, the key thing that I learned there, I remember was like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You got to diversify. So I remember like, okay, so I'm going to make sure to both, you know, explore foundational funding and government funding and, and think about how do I have a business lens towards what I'm doing as well. So as, you know, as such a um, small organization, <clears throat> 
I, I couldn't really put energy into that, even though I like that idea of like a threefold approach to our funding model. So years and years go by. So fast forward. And uh, a good friend of mine told me about this organization called Purple. It's a social uh, enterprise accelerator coaching program. This is where things really changed for me is I received coaching for a couple of years. I've, I liked it so much as this, I need to have someone who has that business model or social enterprise uh, lens to help me transform the way I do things. And that's where Kinship was born doing, we were doing like TRC kind of, you know, anti-indigenous racism workshops and cultural safety workshops here and there sporadically. But what I, you know, what my coaches were encouraging me to consider doing it as a signature program and making money from it. They're like, this is a win-win. People want to contribute to truth and reconciliation. They want to contribute, but they don't know how. You're giving them a how. You're saying, come take our training. And that money, so oh, here's my main point, sir. Okay. <laughs> that money that I started making from Kinshift was enough security for me in my operational um, my annual operational budget that I, I was like, okay, I can actually hire another full-time person. Before this, I've been working with part-time everything, one day a week, part-time, you know, some people work two days a week, everyone's like part-time. And I've never actually posted a job before. I've always been like, you know, you meet someone and they're doing this work. So you're like, can you do, give me a one or two days? never felt secure enough in my annual budget to hire actually post and provide people with proper benefits and stuff that helped me do that and and having katie like operations coordinator is has changed everything for us to be able to move towards the strategic directions that we want to go to the rooting to grow okay yeah that makes a lot of sense it sounds like through the coaching that you received with purple that a lot of things were brought into focus and you were able to see a pattern that was a way, a way forward and it's been working. Yes, it is. I don't know if you want me to share some of the things that shifted. I just. Yeah, absolutely. Like what is, what is the impact that is, what has happened as a result? Well, um, <clears throat> being as, you know, coming from a background of, you know, I've always worked in a job before, like that was funded in a, in a government funded job or when I was a consultant um, and ran my own consulting business, it was, I, I never really thought about making a lot of money because I work, I work in indigenous communities and you know, often the budgets are, I know because I've worked for my own band, I know that our, the budgets aren't big. So I never, like I always kept my rates very low, you know, just enough to cover my costs and make, make a bit of a living. So when I started working with Purple, and we were building up the um, you know, rates that we we're gonna charge and everything and how many workshops a year do we do and all. I started realizing that I had been undercharging indigenized for t all these years. I never charged mm -hmm. people for the development fee. Like remember I was saying I custom designed every time, never charged for that at all. Right. Days, days. We just got charged the facilitation rate. And so like things like that, right? Like this happens all the time for facilitators. How are we supposed to know this? We're just flying by the seat of our pants when we start as facilitators and we don't know how much to charge. We don't know how to, like there's just such a steep learning curve. So, um, so they really helped 
by showing other models, what other facilitators, other consulting businesses are charging, really broke it down. They got me to identify all the time that went into doing one training. And I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and they also, the most exciting part for me was how I realized that um, the work of Kinshift and, you know, providing workshops for settlers that not only do they get to learn and, um, you know, our hope is that they leave inspired and, you know, feeling mobilized to want to learn more, to be on the journey. Um, but also they get to help fund our programs for indigenized. So the revenue that we make from Kinshift um, has allowed me also to expand, uh, like we're starting up a couple new programs. We started up an apprenticeship program. Um, so we're supporting Indigenous facilitators to learn how to facilitate and giving them mentorship. We started up, we're starting up, it's going to be starting up in January, a program for Indigenous people who want to learn the impacts of colonization or understand. We have a lived understanding of it, but like to be able to understand and articulate um, some of the the ways that it impacts our communities and ourselves, and especially those who work with settlers in their workplace, how do you how do you deal with racism? How do you take care of yourself in those systems? Because uh, a lot of people can't leave their jobs even though they're encountering racism and you know microaggressions that they they need to stay in their job. So how do we support them to call out or call in and and keep themselves well through that. Mm -hmm. So anyways, we have a lot of new programs that we've been able to build because of this. Well, it sounds like it's it's changed everything. And how has it changed you? Well, I um, definitely feel, you know, like, remember I said I had that feeling of like, all this work? <laughs> and and uh, And it's just like spread out and it doesn't, you know, like, what is the impact? So how has it changed me is that I feel like this, this vision, this dream that I've had and this work that I've been doing is going to actually be passed on. Like it's going to be sustainable. My vision is going to be actualized. <laughs> Pretty excited. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Hey. So if you were able to go back and whisper something into your ear, what would you, what would that message be? Hmm. I love that question. Well, I would, I would just say that, you know, I would want to tell my, my younger Kelly that was just starting the journey to that, that less is more, I guess. And that, you know, the, the value of, like focusing in and, and being clear on what you want to offer long-term. I think, you know, in all honesty, like what I was trying to prove, like when you know that something, when you have this belief that something works really well and that you see something really big, you want everyone else to see it. And it's like, you're trying to prove yourself. So I guess I would tell, I would say, whisper in my ear, you don't need to prove yourself. Believe in your vision and just root to grow. I wish I started rooting to grow back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
all that it takes for us to to learn these little small but powerful lessons, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned how having a social enterprise aspect formed within kinship has given you the ability to then deliver on everything else that Indigenize stands for. Do you see it moving beyond that, or do you feel like that? That that do you feel like that's that the full vision is now in focus, and it's a matter of executing. Oh, I've. I just see so much potential for it to grow. Like, I'm going to give you an example. We have a program called 13 Moons, and um, it's working with Indigenous Women Plus, and um, it's like a full year program and is wonderfully like multi generational. Uh, we have all ages in there, and it's creating natural mentorship. And I've been able, you know, we get to see someone when they first come in and they grow and their confidence and their expression. And it's just so like, to me, the ripple is when those women are going into their communities and their leadership roles and the people around them are seeing, wow, what's happening with this woman? Look at her just shine and come out of her shell. And then like that brings people back into the journey. Like, it's just like this rippling out into the community and the circle. Um, So I really see the potential for these programs to ripple outwards. And that, um, if I'm a storyteller, so I hope it's okay if I tell a quick story here. Um, So about 25 years ago, I was um, doing a job with Health Canada where I flew all over BC. And one of the communities I went into was really like a really devastating in a very like it it was so overwhelming seeing their lived reality and i i was there to help them like deliver or uh, set up a program and help consult with them on like how to make that program successful and i realized that that program was just a band-aid another of many band-aids that government funds and i left there just feeling like god what are we doing this isn't helping like what I wanted to actually leave my job that after that because I felt like it was just so token and so surface, I mean. I, I left there newly knowing that we needed something to get to the roots of the issues, to the despair, the helplessness, the hopelessness. What programs are doing that? So I actually wrote on my plane ride. It was, a, you know, 10 hours to get home. I spent that time writing on my laptop, I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote, I wrote a program and I pitched it to Health Canada. I was like, this is what is needed. This kind of program's needed. This is gonna get to the roots of the problems. These programs aren't getting to the root. And uh, of course it didn't go anywhere. Like I tried for a few years and that was part of the um, reason why I left. Like just realizing in such a bureaucracy, it's really hard to make change and so, you know, starting my own path, my own consulting business. Um, so this, this dream that I had so long ago, I actually forgot about it. And then, you know, a few years ago, when, I, when we're starting to move closer to this, you know, like this rooting to grow and starting to actualize this community of practice and this apprenticeship program. And I was like, this is the dream. This is the dream I had 25 years ago starting to happen and feel so gratifying to be able to recognize that and see that it's mm-hmm. it's actually happening yes 
It is very gratifying. So I real I feel like honored. I feel like I get to fulfill my role as a witness. You know, in indigenous communities, they say like if you witness something, you you're part of that now. And I witnessed a lot. So you know, um, so I get I get to create the space that I wanted where those frontline workers who are it's like being in the trenches. They're they're so overwhelmed with with you know all the health stats the the. the Things they're dealing with are just heavy, and that's why they have high staff turnover. And then the relationships are challenging, right? So I'm create. I'm so um, grateful, and I'm so honored that we can be one thing, like create this space where they can come and get medicine and be recharged and and gain some tools and get a support network. And yeah, it does sound like powerful medicine. Thank you for sharing. I really I feel honored to beyond this little journey with you mm. and if people want to learn more about what you're up to they can go to indigenize.com and it's indigenize uh, with a z at the end i won't make sure that the the <laughs> links to your website and both for indigenize and kinshift are available in the uh, show notes thank you for your time today thank you i'm so grateful jalen for this time and i love your questions and the work that you're doing. So um, all the best to you in your ripple and your uh, <laughs> impacts that you're making. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you've created a business that's a force for good and you'd like to share your story of challenge and success, go to questio.us slash podcast and click on the share my story button.